Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 91 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media, and today presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. More on them in just a bit. But first, it's nice to visit with this guy. I haven't talked to him in a while. I think he still plays for the New York Mets. I've kind of lost track since we're not in baseball season. Damn it! No, Trevor May, you're, you're still you're still a member of the Mets, right? As far as I know. Though hey. I haven't spoken to anyone since December 1st, so, you know, your guess is as good as mine, but I, no, I, yes. Currently, yes, I am. Wouldn't that be legendary if you had been traded and, like, nobody knew? Yeah, just they knew, just the two people that talked knew. They're like, well, we'll drop it on them on the day. I don't know. They're, they're good at dropping stuff on us in the day before, so who knows? Maybe. Um, speaking of dropping in, do you remember the last, give a guess the last time that we did this together? We, it was right after the beginning of the, it was like literally a few days after the beginning of the lockout, right? In early December. Pre-lockout. Really? November 29th. Okay. Right after Scherzer signed, we had an emergency Chris Rose rotation. Yes. Okay. Now I remember. And then you, we were going to do some stuff about the, the lockout and I don't know if much of that happened, but because there just wasn't anything really to report. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a few of your buddies week. on, uh, you know, Giolito. Uh, Marcus Simeon, Zach Britton, they were all great on it. That was in like mid to late December-ish before uh, there was any negotiating by mid-January. And it is kind of timely because we're doing this on a day where MLB and the Players Union had their latest get-together that lasted a whopping 15 minutes. Is that encouraging? No. Uh, It's not, but uh, I mean... I've been explaining, trying to explain this. I am. I am. This isn't based on any sort of insider information. I have no I genuinely don't know if this is true, but just knowing from the last two years of how the commissioner's office generally just handles anything that they want to do, they have a pretty long term plan laid out. I think I think that Rob has put together a hey, guys, if we are willing to not really give at all until this date i think that le- that'll give us this much leverage and if we're willing to sacrifice these many games it'll make us this much more money in the next four and a half years of the cba if we just stick it out i genuinely believe there's some version of that kind of framework been put down because as it came out and it was not even remotely surprising at all rob had the during COVID, they had the 60 games in their head the whole time like they were, it was going to be 60 the whole time. And the whole thing was kind of a farce until he, impl- he, they just kind of wanted us to agree so they could see if they could get less than prorated pay. But if not, that was what they were going to, they were just like, well, we can implement it 60 games. So that same strategy would not surprise me being put in this position where they think that they can have, they're just not a group of people that I think are going to, would like to leave this negotiation thinking that they had any more leverage to use. Okay. They're not they- going to. There's a couple things I want to hit on that you've got, John. The one time we have seen Rob Manfred publicly, he said, listen, don't listen to any of the COVID stuff, the 2020 season. There wasn't anything we could do. We were being told by the government that we couldn't start any earlier than the date we started. So, yeah. So we negotiated for three months for no reason then. Okay. Gotcha. That doesn't make any sense. Like that, that, like what frustrates me with him is he says things that are literally one layer. If you go one layer deep, it's just categorically like 90% a lie. Like that's just not fully true. 
And we were negotiating and fighting with each other for a month, trying to come to a, a, a day, a, a, like a number of games. And for some reason, that whole thing you just said never mentioned. So, so it was, we, he gave either that's true. Right. And he knew that, but he didn't tell us. So there's one thing that cool, great faith. Awesome. Again, or the other option is it, that, that itself is a lie. And he's just using it to take it out of his own hand. So either way, it's not fully true. They just can't be either way, because that's not how things played out. Um, you, they wouldn't propose. They wouldn't be do. We wouldn't be doing proposals back and forth if the government said we can only have like if, if that was only going to line up to 60 that we had a negotiation. Then why did we do that? Why didn't you just say, hey, right. guys, the government, it's out of our hands. But some, somehow it's oddly convenient. You can say that after the fact to take it not your fault anymore it's just not it's like it's like what 12 year olds do it's not that's not a that's very obviously not true so i don't know why you even said it we're not stupid same thing as saying you're you're running a baseball team is is more risky than the stock market of course it is like we know that but that (laughs) does not going to get any sympathy or empathy like duh like, well, yeah. but if if you did look at the numbers by the way once that comment came out during his press conference everybody was like well, we do have the numbers to prove that that is not factual. It's also accurate. not true. So like it's it's so funny because that like going in, you need to assume when you start a business that it's probably not going to perform better than the stock market. So that's an assumption you make and it's a risk you take knowing that. And then it even looks worse when that's actually not what is happening at all and hasn't happened in decades. So it's a double lie. It's just it's like it's just I, I, why even try to make the ca- that case? Why, okay. why, like, why? Hey, do you want a chance to see Trevor May or any of your favorite baseball players out there and save money in the process? Well, we are here to help. SeatGeek, download it on your phone. I already got the app on my phone. I've been scrolling through trying to find tickets because the Cleveland Guardians are coming out to LA to take on the Dodgers. So I'm finding the best seat I can get at the best price available. And it's for more than just baseball, okay? You want to go grab a seat in the NBA? You want to go to a concert? Whatever it is, just go on your SeatGeek app and start firing away, and you will find the best seats available. One of the cool aspects of this is they actually rate every seat on a scale of 0 to 10, okay? So, like, red seats, those aren't so good. Green, that means it's great. So just follow the color code and they'll help you find the best seat for your price range. And speaking of price ranges, if you go download your app right now and you use the code ROSE, you're going to get 20 bucks off of your first seat geek order. So I want to save you money and I want to put you in the best seats around. Once again, all this is thanks to our friends over at SeatGeek. Who knows? Maybe you'll sit next to me. Is that a red dot or green dot though? So let's hit the fast forward button to these negotiations, if you don't mind. What is it that you want to hear from them? Like, I think is it? Yeah, I want to know what is it you want to hear from ownership? The thing that's very hard for me to 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 to. I think when you're negotiating with someone, it's really important from the beginning to understand what fully like the motivation is for the other side that's hard right that's not easy in a lot of times that's kind of where the word good faith comes from you have good faith when both sides understand what the goal is like 
you want this deal because it does this thing for you and your group of people. Like, right? That is clear for my side and us. The average length of career in Major League Baseball is less than getting to free agency, which is where you make the vast majority of your money, right? That was set up and, and worked for a long time because of the inability, like the, it wasn't so easy to manipulate, like it, before analytics and, and bringing people up and down, they weren't maximizing the control they had over a player for as long as they did. And in order to keep their costs down, that's very, that's much easier to do and they're getting really good at it. And what's happening is that's stagnating overall. So free agency is losing its value because they're like, oh, we can get value out of younger guys. And we know how to make sure we can make sure that we have maximized our control over those younger guys at the same time. So we're addressing that problem. That's if it keeps going this way, it's going to just keep getting exasperated to the point where we're going back and going backwards. And if the game continues to grow in dollars, because that's what we're talking about in, in value, then the players need to see increased value alongside the owner. So we're like, yes, we love that you're getting more. We also should get more, not more percentage. Like we just need to make sure it stays healthy so that as we create that value for you, we are still seeing our do do. It's not like we're saying, hey, we get 40% of revenues. We want 90% now. That's not what's happening. It's being represented that way in a lot of ways. Like think we're being greedy. But in reality, we're like, you're getting a lot more money. It's proven. Stop lying and saying you're not because you are. Therefore, we need to continue to build these frameworks. So these guys zero to three who are creating all this value and that you guys are able to control for a long period of time are seeing value earlier. If that's right. what you're going to do, it needs to cost a little bit more money to do it. Right. Okay. That's it. The other side. We want more. For what? Just to have it. I can't get behind that. Sorry. Well, you know that. So there might be fans out there that are a little confused. They say, well, listen, I, I work for a business. I'm yeah. not the owner. I'm an employee like the players are. Yeah. Well, at the same time, the owner owns the business in order to make money. Of course. And so why shouldn't they have the opportunity to make the most money that they can? Because they, they can't, they make the most money they can at what, at the expense of how much expense, how much of that goes to me then? So, in order to maximize what you get, you have to take it from below you. Like, that's just the nature of business. I understand it. But where is that line? And if you don't have a line in your head, that's, that is literally a, that's a, a journey that never ends. So that's, I'm like, where? It doesn't need to end. I just need a, like, what is, where is your happiness level? Because it's hard to tell. Is it like, we want, we want everything we're asking for and that'll make us happy. Does that work anywhere in life? No, no. So there has to be something else. And unfortunately, to this point, at least on my end, just me personally, I don't know what it is. So far, it's been, no, just give us, give us what we're asking for. Like so far, that's it. That's been the negotiation. We're saying we move 10 million one way, they move 500,000. That's not the same. Okay. So it's, 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 it's frustrating every day just to be like, I know very clearly what we're trying to accomplish. It's very, very cloudy what you're trying to accomplish. And speaking of clouds, there's clouds around everything. We don't know how much money you're really making. You say things and then you never prove anything. Like we don't, you don't have to, you don't feel like you need to. Those are issues. I think that's just issues in capitalism. 
but, but it is, is just as it, it's not about like, I, none of these things are going to make me make it probably, I'm probably not going to make any more money no matter what we get. Like in terms of more than I could have before. Right. It's not for me. No, I so, understand that. I, um, I want to get back to something that you had said earlier. Mm-hmm. You said that the owners have a date in mind where I they think, can, you think, I, yes. me, my conjecture. I'm yes. yes. So you believe that they, that the season could be a hundred, let's throw out a number, 130 games. So lose essentially the first five weeks Month. of the season. Yeah. And they would be comfortable with that. There might be a number where we've already seen it. They've already set one day, said, hey, guys, we're going to miss games. It's a tactic. It's always a tactic. Mm -hmm. But that's within the framework of what I just said. They have one where they they are putting that on pressure on us because they believe we have a date where we're like, this is where it's getting real. We need to start thinking, making real adjustments or we're going to do it because they have one internally. They have a date also where they're going to start. And we 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 should know that, yes, that's that's going to be a, a, a thing that they're not. They, they everyone's like, are we going to have a season? Of course, we're going to have a season because at the end of the day, like making zero dollars is just unacceptable. So it just is for both sides. It just is. There's no way we can do that, especially with what we're arguing about mm-hmm. losing a season over that. Just we both lose a lot there. So, like, why would we do that? So it's going to happen. But maximizing leverage is going to need is, is a high priority for them. It just is. It's just the way Rob. He's a labor lawyer. That's what he does. And it's uh, it might be him proving how good he is, or I don't know. Or maybe he's just shit runs downhill. You know, maybe there's a group of I, it's just like any other group. There's 30 owners. Some of them have very big markets. Some are smaller. Some of them have a lot of money. Some of them not as much money. There's a power dynamic there, too. There's a group probably at the top that's louder than other ones. Right. That want specific things that are hardliner on things. I'm sure that's a dynamic, too. So it's, it's not like Rob's just like writing in a notebook like i'm gonna do all these things like no he's people above him who are very powerful are telling him what they want as well so um you just got to think that the way that he has done negotiation up to this point has been how how can i exert as much pressure as possible and that having a date in mind saying if we give this much money up in revenue then it'll pay off this much more, I believe, long term if we get this deal. And I believe we can get them there if we set these these limits. Something like that. Maybe not as like specific as that, but something along those lines. Well, listen, you're you're very smart. You follow all this stuff. You have been an alternate union rep, I believe, in the past up in Minnesota, right? We're an yeah. alternate. I'm I I'm kind of a de facto alternate a little bit here too. I talk okay. to them a lot. Um, but you're not a mem- you're not in the meetings that we're here, no. correct? Kind of by principle at this point. With all that being said, how frustrating is it for you? Like people say, well, shit, why don't they just lock themselves in a room and then they'll come out when they're done? Yeah. Is that fair? No. Um, because if if what I think is true, that doesn't matter. That's not the goal right now, isn't genuinely, genuinely. The goal is not to have an agreement yet unless it's cl- way closer to where they want. And to I, the way I feel about the, our group of guys, I'm going to be honest, it's been pretty nice since 94. A lot of guys cushy, a lot of guys making lots of money. And the fact that we're sticking with this and no one's been like, you guys are fired. We're just taking the deal. Let's go. Uh, uh, um, you know, because that's within our power to do. 
like they work for us, right? You, we can fire union members. We can like, it, or not members, sorry. Like the people that, that, that are negotiating on us, uh-huh. that, that is within our power. Obviously that's not something we want to do, um, but it is. And, and we're sticking, we're holding, holding steady, even though a lot of guys know like very little, uh, uh friction here in this area, in their careers, or even in our li- a lot of our lifetimes. So, uh-huh. um, but the reason things are cushy is because they did that back then. So it's very important that we do it now so that in 20 years, those guys have continued to grow with the game. So um, that's something I'm really proud of the way these guys are doing it. But it is very frustrating to hear people say, dude, just get in a room, get it done, just get it done, just get it done. It's it's very, everyone knows it's not that simple. But if you just get locked into a room with someone who doesn't intend to have a deal done right now, then you're just, it's just going to make it worse. It's going to make you more and more frustrated. It's, it's walking away from the table is oftentimes much more effective than just hammering your head against the wall. Anyone who's had a fight with their significant other <laughs> knows that that could, that that's a, that's an option that it's, oftentimes is better. So it's very difficult to swallow. I, I, and I don't want to make this an entire labor pod. That's not my intention. Cause I want to catch up with you on some other things. But I will say this, and I think you're a good guy to talk about this because you have such a vast interest outside of baseball. I have mentioned it several times. If we lose games, there are people that are borderline baseball fans that may have been brought in over the last 18 months to two years because they love watching Fernando Tatis Jr. do his thing or have been brought in on the Shohei Otani wave or they became, you know, they're fans from down south and the Atlanta Braves win for the first time in two and a half decades. And so they're back in. Those people are going to go elsewhere. And you might not get them back. Yeah. And that's what I were. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm worried about a lot of other people that are fringe fans. Can I? I'm going to be completely honest with you. As a player who's played their entire life and I've loved baseball since I was four years old, I feel that. I feel that on lots of levels. I felt that in COVID. Because I thought priorities were like the game. It's it's I've said this before. We are entertainers. We, 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 we do something in order to evoke a feeling out of people that watch us. Like that's the that's where baseball baseball came from. That's where every sport came from. Money comes involved. It changes things in a lot of ways. Right. But at the end of the day, the people who are the people who are making decisions and, and part of the game, you have to love it. You have to love it a little. You have to love the game if you're involved. You just have to. Um, and if you're constantly worried about things that aren't the game all the time. Like COVID hurt a lot of people in a lot of like just decimated our, our, our country and our world. Like it just did like in every way possible. And we were still arguing about the money even then. And that was really frustrating at that time. And ever since then, it's just been one thing after another from the, waste like the moving the goalposts and the sticky stuff thing with the flip-flopping on like oh we're not going to enforce it we are like that i get the the whole concept the thing needed to go but the way it was handled again is like here's the goalpost they're here oh no they're over there now like that is very frustrating when you're trying to go be world class at something and then the thing comes out about there might have been two balls and we were supply problems from the company that we own like just again just like a 50 percent fruit and you're just like dude just put the goal somewhere so that i can hit it stop and then you now we have this and very little of it has to do with is our product on the field getting to the people that will want it and are they enjoying themselves when they're there are they do they like it are people liking the game do people like we should be asking that question all the time because that's what our job is we they're supposed to like it we're supposed to make them like it 
we're out there playing and it's just bo- like just not a fun experience. No one, you know, we we vanilla it down or whatever, and people aren't liking it. Then why are we doing it? Because that's why we're do that we do these things. So I want to be romantic about the game again. I want to I want to be like. I want to think I like have random trivia like I was when I was a kid. My dad used to rattle off like who's what's the record for most RBIs in a game. And I had to name the guy. And that's what we used to do that stuff. And I'm afraid that people aren't going to have that experience anymore because for four years, it was just uh, just crap all the time. That was just like overshadowing the game itself. And that's that's sad. That's frustrating. And it's a game that I love. And 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 someone said this. Uh, I read this somewhere. Someone said uh, at some point uh, uh, we, we stopped having custodians of the game. And it became it, not less about the game. It became not about the game at all. And it needs to be, it can be less about the game sometimes. Like, I get it. It's a business. I get it. I understand the business. I, I'm trying myself to get into that, right? It's hard, but it has to, that has to be there. The 101, the basic block, the building block, the keystone of the arch needs to be the game's awesome. And we love the game. And we want the game to be fun to watch. And we want it to be exciting. We want people to get we want people to laugh, cry, and everything in between when they're there. And if that's gone, then there is literally no point in existing anymore. Well said, sir. Hey, guys, big news out of the sports collectible world. Tops recently announced they're going to be auctioning off a one-of-one Tops 1952 Mickey Mantle card NFT on OpenSea. This is going to happen March 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern. Now, keep in mind, OpenSea is an NFT auction platform where people can make bids to win highly prized NFT collectibles. A few cool things about this. The front and back of this are from the actual card in the original 1952 release that was digitally scanned and pulled from Topps Digital Archives specifically to be used in this one-of-one NFT. So it's pretty cool. Now, once again, this happens on March 1st, 1 p.m., and goes until March 4th. Any bid placed in the last 10 minutes of the auction is going to extend the auction by an additional 10 minutes. Now, here's the cool thing. If you're able to get your hands on this beauty, the NFT collectible, one of the things that the winner of the auction is going to get is a rare opportunity to have a 30-minute video interview with Mickey Mantle's sons, Danny and David Mantle. So that's kind of a cool aspect of this as well. So go out and do this. For more information, TopsTimeless.com. Go do this thing in time for March 1st. You haven't even met your new manager. Nope. He was hired after the lockout started. I'll meet him probably five hours after this thing is done. So <laughs> have I'm you sure heard anything ex- about him? Have you done a little research? Have you had guys that have played for him that know him at all? Anything with Buck Showalter? I've never seen a, even a remotely medium uh, 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 review on Buck as everyone has raves about him. Um, guys that I actually really, really respect uh, uh, from a like that I follow on Twitter, like, uh, like, uh, Adam Jones, huge, huge fan, Zach Britton, uh, uh, th- th- that those 15, 14, 15, 16 Orioles teams, uh, I've heard nothing about how fun they were to be on. Cause that group of guys, I'm sure was a blast to be around, you know, JJ and, and mm-hmm. Chris Davis and, you know, uh, they had Delman for a bit and Nelly Cruz. Like I can imagine that was a really fun clubhouse to be in with a lot of good players. Uh, and then Buck was kind of like the top of the pyramid, like the one that let's have fun. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I know he's, he's very like, we're doing it this way. This is the way we're doing it. Um, and as a manager, that's a very, that's a strength that can be seen as like a, something that being really rigid could be seen as an issue for some place. But like, if you're really, really confident in your process, that's much better than the alternative. Um, but I, you know, I heard a very dry sense of humor. I've heard that, which mm-hmm. it's great. 
Great give me that. Humor. Give me Maybe. that. Uh, I'm all about that. And, uh, you know, he's a baseball man. He's and he's seen and has tons of experience. He's been he knows like what when you walk into a clubhouse, what it feels like when a, when a group is, is loose and, and playing well. And he and he also knows what it feels like when you're like, oh, God, we're going to lose again. <laughs> like he's been on both um, as as of I and and I know that the first one is much better than the second one. So I'm looking forward to meeting him. I cannot wait. One of the most, and I hate to shift a little bit, but one of the things I'm most excited about is just watching Max Scherzer bullpen. Cause I feel like he's just going to have like, I don't know. He's going to come out in like a, like a, like evil Knievel outfit or something in the first day. Uh, just, just like all this pent up energy to get to spring is just going to like him and Buck are just going to be like, let go. It's going to be like immediately, like, it's going to be like a lot. Like I'm going to walk in the clubhouse. And it's just gonna be a lot. Right. Um, but, that is uh, that is again much better than everyone being like. Here we go again. Yeah, I'm excited. I think I'll be honest with you. I think you guys, depending on how much things change, right? I mean, once the lockout is over, guys are going to be flying off the shelves. I mean, there's still some huge names out there in free agents. I keep forgetting about how many free agents there are. I mean, there are guys all over the place, right? I mean, Freddie Freeman could change teams. Carlos Correa is still out there. Yeah. Carlos Rodon, who had a great year on the mound for the White Sox last year, is still out there. Kenley Jansen, Clayton Kershaw. Well, Kenley there's, Jansen, too. Geez. Yeah, there's a ton of guys that could still change. But I think you guys are going to be a super interesting story. I can't wait. And Buck Showalter is, is certainly a part of that narrative moving forward. How, um, how much time do you need you know, so that you make sure that you're okay physically for spring training as a reliever? Um, uh, <laughs> I usually like as long as I get into seven games or eight games, I'm usually pretty good. Um, the COVID, uh, the COVID summer camp was maybe just a scoot short, just like it was what a three and a half weeks. So maybe like four and a half, maybe a, exactly like a 30 days would be plenty, especially if you come in rear and ready to go, being able to get in the game right away. Um, which well, how, how close are you to being spring training ready? Physical. Oh, right. Right now. I mean, to be honest, I could show up and, and, and the first because the first couple of weeks are usually like if it were a normal spring, I would be in normal, generally normal spring uh, shape. I got I have four or five bullpens under my belt now. I threw just threw one. I just came back from that. So uh, um, and just trying to stay are kind of there. But I generally get in shape pretty quick um, in terms of uh, uh, because I'm not a huge like I don't need to. I, there's not a lot of like weightlifting and stuff that's part of my routine. So a lot of times that like coming off of a heavy routine, like in the offseason, a lot of people build like position players build strength and stuff and they want to get more power or whatever. And so like adjusting into the game takes a little bit longer because your, you know, your tight muscles tighten up a little bit, you got your swing and stuff because I don't do that stuff. And it's all about just kind of getting my movement patterns back. It's a little bit of a faster, uh, uh, faster process. So I'm confident, but again, I'm, you know, going into my 32, 33 season. So uh, I'm going to, you know, after being in a, on a team with Joe Maurer for a long time and knowing how his routine got longer and longer and longer, I just uh, anticipate buying getting longer and longer and longer too. So, but I'm feeling good. Um, I felt great. I felt great throwing the whole time. No, every once in a while, there's like a little ticky tack thing that needs three days off from throwing or whatever. I've completely avoided that. I've been working on some new pitches, enjoying myself and, and, uh, just making sure I'm keeping, maintaining a level. So, because no matter what I do here, um, when I get there and I'm around baseball people and I'm like at a park and my only job at that mi minute is to do baseball stuff. I, it's just a, the intensity goes to a level mm -hmm. I can't even mimic. So I just, I account for that a little bit, but feeling good. Did uh, your wife, Kate, catch your bullpen? 
Uh, no, my net. Actually, it's a lacrosse net at the local high school, which is the nicest high school field I've ever seen. Uh, but it's like the size of the polo grounds. It's 320 to center or 420 to center, which is <laughs> crazy. But it's, uh, it's a second. You can't find a catcher. There's not a high school kid that could catch you. So the thing with, you know, I'm in Washington. We're pretty strict on the COVID rules and stuff. And guys are still kind of like, like if I reach out to a coach, I'm, I've been working, trying to work on the, co the coach uh, uh, to throw with the kids down here at that local high school because I live on an area that only has one school. We're on an island. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get in with that group anyways. They have like they literally have college facilities. So I'm like, I want to work. I want to use all these, too. Uh, but uh, no, I actually have a catcher uh, for my next pen. Uh, so usually I throw like the first well, three to a net anyways, because just I can schedule it. And it's easy. That's and no it does, fun. I mean, no fun. But at the same time, like I'm throwing mid 80s anyway. Like there's no honestly, it just feels bad. If anything, you're like, oh, the gloves not popping this catch. The 16 year olds catching me way too easy. But what what a thrill for them! How cool would that be? If well, I bring them in. I bring them in and catching a major league pitcher. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, they come in. They come in. What I do is I throw the first few, and then I throw to people as I'm trying okay. to actually like throw to spots and stuff. Like, but the first few are like just throw it in the net somewhere. Would you let uh, kids stand in during your bullpen? Oh, 100 percent. I'm if if God forbid this thing goes for another week or two. Uh, uh, I actually saw a couple kids at the at the school throwing or hitting taking bp and it's hilarious wow or they were doing flips neither one of them was it's weird they're on a field they're doing flips and i'm like just over throw it overhand like you guys got to get ready anyway anyway they're flipping to each other they're both lefty sticks and it, it's crazy to me how little 18 year old kids are I, I always forget how massive i am but these guys yeah. are tiny yeah you uh, are. they're probably like 5 10 or 5 9 but i'm just like hey guys what's up uh and they came up to me and they're like hey i don't know if you saw this they're like hey you look familiar i'm like say it and they're like are you trevor may i'm like yeah he's like is tim the tatman really that funny just from streaming and i'm like that's what you know me from call of duty come on i hate that game too i never play it anyway uh uh but they i i, I said hey um i reach out to their coach and see if i if because they start in like 11 days so if i god forbid i'm still here um i'm gonna see if i can like go to their first day of tryouts and see if guys want to st stand in or something like just please do them. and please video it oh a thousand percent Hey, Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking Between the Legs 360 Windmill Good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSE. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code ROSE at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and physically present in New York. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full details. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Both of us. I recently just, uh, I'm doing one on Saturday too. Recently, my uh, wife's cousin. They have a wiffle ball league. I don't know if you saw the video I did early in spring. Sure did. AWA wiffle. They're huge. They're blowing up, and they're uh, they just built this thing in their backyard. It's it's hilarious how their parents have like just bought in and let them just yes, exactly. There's that. That was right after the season, so I wasn't going to run real hard. Dude, uh, what an amazing park they built there. 
they just got they're got they got lights and they just have to install them so they're gonna put them up in the trees and stuff so they can play do night games uh these guys are disgusting that's the hardest thing i've ever done i could didn't hit that i pitched didn't hit the little target one time and i think i only put the ball in play once um but uh dude you look no, like herman munster at the plate yeah i'm i, I you, I don't have a good swing, man. I have three bays in the big leagues. Just go look those up. But uh, her cousin Thomas and her other cousin Jack. Jack is the camera guy. He ma- he's made videos his whole life. Like he's a, he doesn't YouTube did YouTube that much, but he always do like the class projects. He'd always do a video. So he's the cameraman. And then Thomas went to University of Washington for a year. He's taking a year off to go to drive line and get his velocity up. He's a lefty. He's 6'3", 230. He's the big lefty stick on our team. Big dude. Uh, has run it up mid nineties before. So he's going to be, he might be a, he could be a big, big deal here soon. Um, but they're going to come down here to me. Uh, they'll about a half an hour away and we're going to do a uh, workout at that same field. Uh, dude, but look at Jack, you as you're getting ready on the, look, I mean, it, come on, dude, you're not facing the Phillies here. You know, take a breath. I ha- they even played my walkout when I, on the speakers, <laughs> I told him, I'm like, I'm not doing this unless we really, really play it up. I just want everyone to know how bad every one of those throws felt because I was like two weeks out from throwing in a, in a, in a big league game. And as anyone who knows, once you, st- once you stop taking your anti-inflammatories at about a week later, you feel like your arm is going to detach. It's like, just, we're going to wake up one morning and you're going to be armless. So I, they're like, you want to warm up? I'm like I better. And I just did it. It felt like I had never thrown a baseball before. We should have gotten you out for the big blitz ball tournament we had. I think I think that's in the future. You know how many people have asked me to do that, or at least go do the what is what is the thing that Jake and Jimmy do uh, behind yeah, the, in the back alley at back, back but alley. they but they the company bought a warehouse in Jersey City, New Jersey, and we had an eight team double elimination tournament. Game two actually, you know, our game three is is out available for your consumption now. So it's re- it was a ton of fun. I got to broadcast it. I called play by play for it. That's awesome. Uh, that that's something that I think I uh, like. You know. It's so funny that my whole life I've just been like, well, will this affect my real play? But uh, one, the, I'm going to be like Dallas Braden. As soon as I, as <laughs> soon as I retire, as soon as I don't have to like go do go perform anymore, I'm going to be just doing all this dumb, all this yeah. stuff, all this stuff, going out and just trying to blitz ball people. Yeah, but I mean, this stuff is crazy. It's really, it was a ton of fun, so much fun. I oh, what an awesome, awesome. All right, um, I got a few other things here. Yeah, something we've started doing since uh, you last joined us is is a little um, segment called two truths and a lie. Mm. So it's about your baseball career. Okay. So you have to spot the lie. Okay. Ready? Yeah. In your career, you have never given up more than one home run to the same guy. Number two, Mitch Garver has caught the most innings when you are on the mound. Number three, the player you have struck out the most times in your career is Mike Napoli. Spot the lie. I definitely punched Napoli the most. <laughs> I know that's true. Uh, that's seven times. I know that number. Is, all right. So He's now you're guy. down to two. Uh, it was good. Uh, God, he one ground out at the end with an 0-2 fastball, and I was so mad, and he was so happy. It was funny. Uh, uh, okay, and then Garver. Garver has caught me the most. I've had different catchers a lot. So uh, the I've given up multiple homers to somebody. I don't know who it is. JD? JD Martinez? Maybe? Can you believe, Trevor May, that you have never given up multiple home runs to somebody? I learn. <laughs> and by the way, you better call Kurt Suzuki and apologize. Oh, Zook, yeah. 
Oh he no, caught he caught almost me when a starter. more innings than Mitch Garver. He caught me when as a starter. That should have been really, really obvious. I, yeah, I threw 150 innings, and I've only thrown like 450 my whole my whole career, and 150 were the first two years. So that makes sense. You better call him and apologize. Uh, I will. Dang Maybe. it. <laughs> um. So when Rob Manfred had his press conference. Mm-hmm. I texted you. I said, are you watching this? You're like, no, I'm in the middle of something. Like our cat has been gone for 24 hours. I'm like, oh, and I, I got like a pit in my stomach. Yeah. You know, I'm not a, we're dog family, but still I love animals. And particularly when they're not outdoor cats, I was very worried about Donnie. <laughs> Thankfully, by the way, that is the most amazing picture. Please, everybody go to YouTube. If you're uh-huh. audio only right now, go freeze it and go ahead. You know, I don't know how many minutes we're into this thing, but whatever it is, go find the picture of Donnie that we're putting up there right now. It's also on my Twitter in like the last five tweets. So you can see it. But the, when you call his name, then he just turned, but like didn't move. It's hilarious. Right. So give us the abbreviated version of where you found Donnie. So in my house, my new, we moved into a new house in October. So there's still places that we don't know about. And on our third floor, uh, it is like, uh, we have crawl space. It used to be an attic. So like, it's kind of like a shout with room I'm in now. It's like kind of a short lower ceiling and like, you know, arched a little bit uh, on both sides. Uh, there's like an edge and then it's like three feet of space and there's crawl space back there. And so one of two things happened. I came home. I was I, I came home from a massage. So I'm super relaxed, too, which that, that changed in a lot of ways. And the garage is still open. I forgot to close it. He goes out in the garage sometimes, uh, but he's usually like afraid to go outside. So. I didn't think anything of it. I looked around to see if he was in there. No, um, I said, I go, hey, Kate, have you seen Donnie in a bit? And she's like, oh, yeah, I saw him just a little bit ago. I was like, oh, OK, we're good. Um, close. Think nothing of it. Close the garage. I came back a week, about 930. We're going to bed. And usually he comes down. Uh, Elsie, our older cat, sits behind us, like on the inner heated bed. She never leaves when we're watching TV. But usually Donnie comes and sits across from us in his own chair. And he just didn't come out. So and didn't come out for dinner either. So I was like no dinner you saw him he's he didn't miss dinner so i was like where's donnie so kate's like oh i saw him like earlier today i was like when she's like one i'm like it's it's nine eight hours so we go outside we're running around call his name doesn't come out um i'm exhausted from a long long day i got up really early to do something and so i get super for whatever reason i i like i have a i get like start panicking I'm like, what, what, uh, why, why can't we like, what, what happened? Oh, the garage door was open. Oh my God. He got out and I just started spinning. So we go to bed that night, hoping he'll come back. Woke up in the morning. Don't see him go out. We start putting food outside to try to get him to come back. So that whole day I go that morning, print out a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of lost cat po- uh, posters. Cause our neighbor, our neighborhood is very, very close knit, but we're not, we have it. So we, so we, we met everybody. We walked to their doors and we, knocked on doors but hey we're missing our cat hey uh like, oh so people were out like saying donnie like calling his name because he's like he loves people um so they're basically everything I, I i like hired a service to like telemarket people and tell them our cat was gone like all, i spent all the money i got some gps trackers i'm like find this idiot i'm putting these on them and they're never taking them off so i know where they are every three seconds forever because i was like i didn't know i loved him this much i didn't know it was like this i, I felt like i lost my child so um we're like everyone said go out late at night but they're hiding because the cats are hiding they're always like a two three blocks away max especially if they're indoor they got chased under something and they're terrified to leave so if you walk around and they hear you they can't like 
cars going by and dogs barking and stuff. It's just like they're not going to come out. But if it's quiet, really quiet, like 11 midnight, and they hear you, they're much more likely to come out. So we're going to go out, out that night. He's been gone for 36 hours. As we're leaving, we're literally stood up. I'm putting on my shoes. We hear like it sounds like he jumped off a of bed. So I'm like, I run upstairs. Nothing, nothing. Did you hear that? She said, I heard it too. I'm like, are we imagining him being here? Because we want to. Right when I go, are we imagining? Are we here? I'm like, he's in here. Where is he? So we're like, Kate's like calling his name and like stomping around. I'm like, be quiet. I can't hear. Sounds like he's outside. So what had happened was <laughs> we have a shed that is attached to our house. Our furnace, one of our furnaces is, is in there. Yeah. Um, the door was cracked open when I went out there the earlier that day. I was like, well, how long has it been open? Because people go in there all the time. We're always having stuff installed. Um, and I'm like, I go and look. He ha- wasn't in there. So I go upstairs, can't hear him. It gets quieter, go to the kitchen. Sounds like he's outside of the kitchen. So I go out there. I'm like, is he in that room? I open it up again. Nothing. I'm in there for five minutes. I'm like, dude, where is he? Is he in the base? Because we have a crawl space underneath the house, too. So I'm like, I open that up. I'm like, Donnie, nothing. A silent five minutes goes by nothing. So I'm like, am I insane? Are we both insane? And then I go, I go, I look in, I look up and his head's peeking up over the, so the cinder block wall. There's a four inch gap between a two by four and a cinder oh. block wall. And it's instead he's like, He's like, Dad, I got stuck in here and I can't get out. So what I think happened is he went out the garage. He just snooped around the house. He went in that door. He climbed up on a shelf. was like, hey, what's back here? Got stuck in there. And then you can like climb up, kind of like plinko your way up. And what had happened was he went up. And when we were calling him downstairs, he couldn't, he, we couldn't hear him. So he tried to come back down and he fell. So you heard him go through the wall. And he had this little area back there that he had been just like curled up in, but he could not get out. So... Uh, Kate had to come in and lasso him with a, cause he's huge. He's so fat. So, so she had to lasso him with a yoga strap and pull him through the gap. We got him. I am. I, I burst into tears. I, I, I have no problem admitting that. I was like, thank God I grabbed him and I held him and he was like clinging to me. And I was just like, thank you so much for not being dead. I said that out loud to him and Kate just crying, laughing, but like took him inside. And I just like, you are not allowed to ever leave ever again and he was really shaken up he wouldn't eat he wouldn't do anything for about a day and then the morning the day after and then the next day that morning he came to me he's like i'm so hungry dad and he crushed his food and now he's been great ever since but elsie the older one was like man it was really nice for a day not being chased no she was she was living her best life she was like hey guys he's gone i can walk around the house again without being bounced on i'm sorry that's that's no good but she uh now she's like great now he's here tormenting me again and we're like hey we love both of you a lot especially him i'm happy that donnie has been i was worried i felt sick for you i was that's i i yeah i I don't know how i would have handled him like i wanted to text you i was like god do i text him do i not we were thinking i was like i'm not going to spring training until until we find him she's like okay and maybe that's why the negotiations were delayed maybe honor of donnie secret secretly guys uh they did that out of deference for me who knew rob manford cat lover huge cat lover that was it's kryptonite who knew who knew all right did i see you in a luigi or a mario outfit or something what wario. did i see? huh wario oh, wario yeah oh you just had that hanging in the closet no we made that from scratch um no you some, did not 
Yeah, that's actually made. That's not, those aren't pants. That's a sheet. Those is, yeah. So th that's something called chaotic cosplay. So there is a girl, there's a, uh, a woman on uh, uh, TikTok. She's hilarious. But basically they go, hey, be this character. And then she just takes a bunch. She's a craft room. She does cosplaying. And she just has to like figure out how to do it. Just like on the spot. Like there's no planning involved. So I was like, do we have purple? Then we started dancing. And then I saw that Kate was dancing and then it got awkward real quick. Uh, <laughs> this is a charity. This is a charity incentive. Uh, and it just it really, really worked out. It was perfect. Wait, uh, that's a purple sheet. It's, it's like a, she went to uh, when she when I came home to see the house the first time in, or in, in July, she had put up a sheet, but she went to the local Goodwill and got this horrendous purple sheet because it was massive it looked it was like a tarp so you put it over the front door so i could open it and go inside and we just had it in the garage and it happened to be the perfect purple and we hadn't thrown it away yet so i was like let's just make that so Dude, she I'll cut give it you 100 bucks if you show up meeting buck showalter like that for the first time no i'm gonna wear my uh degrom scherzer no actually i have a i have a i have this mets logo button up that i'm actually wearing the first day of spring that was gonna be a secret it, but by the way that the degrom scherzer come on dude what that, is that that is a that is a woman's XL. They accidentally sent me a woman's XL, and I'm like, you know what? I'll throw it on. So I have a real one that I wear now uh, that I will wear at the field a lot. Uh, I think it's better like that, to be honest. So with much you. better. Look at the collarbone. The collar just really defines the old collarbone. Love it. Dare I say you slim down? Everyone says that. Um, no, I'm the same. Okay. No, I'm the same. Okay, we got to get this off the screen. That was disturbing. All right, I want to ask you one other baseball thing. Um, over the last few days, uh, it's been reported uh, by ESPN Deportes that um, Juan Soto turned down 13-year, $350 million offer from the Nationals. You have seen him up close and personal. Oh, did you not know that? No, I didn't. Did not, not, didn't see that. I've been uh, a little bit unplugged for the last day or two, though, so that got makes it. sense, but... Do you think he'll be the first $500 million player? Very good chance. I think that, I think that Trout just missed it. I don't think we were quite, quite there yet. Um, but hearing him turn down 13, 350 means that he probably has half a bill in mind. But that said, in terms of value, at least at, even just at the plate, even the guy's special in like, total package way that has been a little bit uh is is pretty crazy it's pretty he's like is it's a uh, tony Gwynn type you know uh get on base and not strike out with the production numbers like i don't know he's got like pull host production possibility with tony Gwynn get on i don't know it's it's weird i hate to, that's a really crazy comparison but like facing him is you're like oh god please just hit it really hard just at the third baseman just not around the bat you know what i mean like just at him um and uh guys like him are rare but he's so young that's also kind of unprecedented that he's doing it like 20 what is he like 14 i don't 23 I is he benjamin buttoning us and just going the other way uh he's he's incredible um but yeah i think that if anyone has the possibility to do it it's him for sure i've never seen a guy with plate discipline at such a young age yeah that can just he's so proud him. of it too like you can tell it's like it's he's really really like yeah i do i don't swing at anything you're right i i never forget i i, I painted a 99 up and away on him 
and it was t- it was taken split it split the top of the thing though it should have been strike three but i get like why well, you don't call the split the top of zone one it was close but he just walked it off like it was and i'm like this kid's 22 all right i get it i'm a you know in the words of blake snow i'm a slap dick but he doesn't get that yet like that's the thing type of thing that i'm like everyone always talks about greg maddox like how come on i don't even i i would love to see greg maddox pitch to juan soto see which one of them swags off the punchy or the walk more that would be that would be prime prime of both of them that would be an awesome matchup soto wouldn't know what to do with the uh 36 inch plate no he would not uh, he would probably just foul it off forever and have a nice little Guillaume 22 <laughs> wanting to pitch a bat every single time is what would happen. He would uh, he would figure it out immediately how big the plate is now, and then he would find a way to hit it every time. Shades of Miggy, Miggy Cabrera, like in the glove, hits it out of the glove so he didn't strike out, and then gets another pitch. That's the type of stuff he does. He is awesome. All right, uh, let's do this. Wheel of moderately interesting things. The categories have changed okay. since you were last on the show. Wild ride. This has been a fun one. Okay. Your first car was a 1988 Chevy Cavalier Rally Sport. In, I'm pretty sure just the whatever the metal, the color of the metal came in, just gray. <laughs> wasn't even painted even it was paint. just metal yeah it was didn't go over 67 miles an hour start shaking and then we go, maybe we don't take it to the next level yeah was it was it a hand-me-down was it a hand-me-down my father my father plays poker um and just like little tournaments around the around the old uh, area he lives in and and he's been doing that for 20 years now and i remember that day um, he had won, I don't know, he entered like a $200 tournament and won 600 like one thing, won 600 bucks. It was, it was just a little one. And my uncle, for whatever reason, is a purveyor of police auctions. And he always bought Chevy Cavaliers. Don't ask. I don't know. I don't know where that came from, why, but he always had one. He drove one himself. So my dad was like, hey, Todd, you got, a, got an extra car? He's like, ah, oh, just picked one up. So he brought it down from Portland, Oregon to, to Kelso, where I'm from. And uh, I paid him in $400 in cash for my first car. Not even the whole day of winnings. He literally was like, pulled it out. was like, <laughs> and then put 200 back in his pocket. He was, was like, like, Bob Barker on the run? price is right. 100, 200, 300. And I'm just like, wow, uh, uh, that's the price of an Xbox. But it ran. And I was the first one with the car. Like I was the older kid in my in my age group, like I'm in school. So like all my friends were like, hey, can I get a ride? And obviously that's legal. So I never did it, uh, especially to Taco Bell. Never took anyone to Taco Bell late at night. Um, and uh, I'll never forget the first thing I ever did. I was like, all right, I'm going to put I'm going to I'm going to put some work into the car. So I tried to put a new speaker system in with it because it didn't have a CD player, a cassette player. So I went to make a put a CD player in. No idea what I'm doing. CD player fits. Great. Speakers. There was no you needed body work so what i took is a knife and i cut out the plastic a big hole and just like pulled out the old little tweeters just took them off and then attached the old ones and then just set them in the holes <laughs> so i just had these four big <laughs> these big uh eight in, or nah, well they were six inch speakers just sitting and they're just like rattle around as the car shook at six, 70 miles an hour and that's uh that's what i did and then eventually i got a 94 ford explorer and it felt like i had won the lottery yeah did you name the car uh clarence Clarence, 
I name things. That's one of the things I do. Part of my okay. humor. Clarence, uh, Clarence Cavalier. He had his own MySpace page. With his own page. MySpace. Yeah, I was. It I've been not. doing this for a long time, Chris. I've been big on the internet since I was like fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Did Clarence have any followers? Just my friends. Everyone. Everyone. Whatever. I'll. I'll w- people towards the end of the life of the car because it it and eventually blew up. Like I had to get a new car eight months later or something. And uh, towards the end, when it was, it was barely working, like barely, we could like get it just in the neighborhood, like from house to house. Um, we started to like be kind of mean. So my buddies would be like, try to do, try to do hood slides and stuff, and just was just destroying this hood, just boated in. Uh, uh, guys are like, hey, ha, ha, run into the door as hard as you can. We get, we go get groceries. Like we go to the grocery store and have like drinks and stuff. And I, we didn't need a cart. And I have a cart and be like, Oh no, bong. Just the, and it was like, ha ha Clarence. So it just became the car. And then we didn't sell it. We just destroyed it with sledgehammers at the end, which was fun. That's really fun. Peace I'd highly recommend doing that. If you ever get the opportunity to hit a car rest, with a sledgehammer, rest in peace yeah. or pieces. Yeah, I guess. Good catching up with you. We're going to have to do this more than every two and a half months, you know? Yeah. Hey, you know me, man. Get me on the calendar. I'm ready to go. Well, hopefully the next time I talk to you, you're down in uh, down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Well, I am playing, paying rent already, so that's good. So I have a place to live. Someone's making money off me. Isn't that life? <laughs> Why don't you guys go down there anyway? Get a little uh, Florida vacation. Hardest of passes. Uh, no. <laughs> I need internet, and uh, I need to eat somewhere other than Chili's. No offense, Florida, but we all know how I feel, so... I'll leave it all right well uh tell donnie hi Just keep him in check please I'll give him i'll give him a cuddle for you i got plenty of those great catching up with you i know that the uh the people that watch and, and listen will be happy that you're back good that makes and we'll me see happy. you next time and uh special good. shout out to our one and only producer robbie Shiraco, man in the controls thanks very much to you for listening to trevor may i am chris rose we'll see you next time on the chris rose rotation a production of john boy media all presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. geek